it was kind of funny because in our minds, we had those infomercials. Uh, if you remember the first week of our series, we actually had a couple clips of them in there, and then we thought, man, that was a really awesome service. Too bad we put that infomercial thing in there, and we pulled it. But it's important for us to think about that because I want you to think about all those ridiculous infomercials that you see on TV. You think about the one with the woman in the purse organizer. And the way that they sell their product is they, they take this woman and they take this purse and this organizer and they make this woman into this person who like, doesn't have thumbs or doesn't know how to handle anything normal. And they, they like, fumble this purse all over the place. And maybe you've seen the one about the egg. There's the person who's handling the egg, and they just can't seem to figure out how to peel an egg. And it's like, give me a break. Like, are you serious? You know the infomercials I'm talking about. It's okay that you laugh in church, okay? You know what I'm talking about. And so when it comes to talking about giving, you know, as a congregation, we go, ah, we don't want to hear about that. And as preachers, we go, man, I really wish I didn't have to give about that because it's awkward for everybody. It's hard for everybody, but listen to me. It's biblical, and it's right to talk about it. And so we're going to talk about it today, all right? And, and I want you to know it's important for you to hear what God has to say because these aren't my words. They're the word of God. You know, I think in our country today, we have an interesting perspective on life. And to illustrate that, I want to tell you a quick story before I get started here. About 10 or so years ago, I have uh, a student gives me the call. I'm a youth pastor at the time, and as a youth pastor, you can ask our youth pastors, you receive some of the weirdest phone calls on the face of the planet. If I told you them, 99% of them you would not believe, okay? But I get this phone call, it's late at night, and it's from a student of mine, he's a senior, his name's John. He says, hey Jamie, guess what? I just got word that, that Best Buy and Cranberry has, they have four Xbox 360s coming in the mail and they're going to open up the store at 6 o'clock tomorrow and the first four people there will get this. Now, back then they didn't have the tickets like they have now and, and it's not organized like it wasn't organized. And so he calls me and he says, let's go do this. Sure, John, whatever, that's fine. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go do whatever and see if you can get an Xbox. Great. And so we get there, and I remember this beautiful conversation taking place with John and I. As it was like 5.30 a.m., we're sitting outside of Best Buy, and, and we're having this conversation about our youth series where we were talking about the importance of loving God and loving others. And John actually, he's this monstrous guy. He's about six foot four. He went on to be a, a minister, and he's a great guy. And I'd like to think it was because of the conversation we had that morning. <laughs> However... What happens is, is we're having this deep, intimate conversation about the goodness of God and the goodness of loving others when a car pulls up next to us. And so what happens is, is John begins to think in his mind, do you think this guy's here for an Xbox also? And so what was this deep, intimate, theological conversation about the goodness and awesomeness of God and how we're to love others is now turning into this worry session. As the clock grows closer to 6 o'clock, I think a zombie apocalypse began to happen as people began to come out of nowhere. Apparently, John wasn't the only one who heard word that there were four Xboxes that were going to go on sale. And the man next to us, as we're trying to continue our theological conversation, gets out of his car and starts doing this like, hey, I'm not really here, sneaky walk, towards the door. So John begins to say to me, Jamie, look, I, we're gonna have, I'm, we'll talk about this stuff later. And then all these people from the side that we didn't even see start walking towards the door as the clerk is at the door beginning to open the door. What happens next is absolutely amazing to me. It's capitalism at its finest. 
Because the guy, the dad who just got out of his car next to us has now kind of turned into this like Olympic power walker. The zombies over on the left are beginning to move even faster. And John just decides, you know what, forget it. And he just starts sprinting towards the door. Now once one go, they all go, right? And everybody begins running to the door. And there I am with my little McDonald's coffee just kind of moseying towards the door going, this is ridiculous. There's four Xboxes, there's 400 people, what's going to happen? I get in the door just in time to see this mob of people running back towards the, well, it's an electronics store, so it's all the electronics department, but it's towards the video game section. I watch as grown men and grown women, mothers and fathers, begin to battle it out like something out of the movie Braveheart. I watch as my youth group kid, John, drops his shoulder like Jerome Bettis and runs over several mothers and a father. One lady's laying there holding her knee. The dad's going, ah, my thigh, leg cramp. And they're just running. I'm watching as grown people are trying to hurdle over one another. Bodies are everywhere. And it comes down to my youth group kid, John, and one dad. I mean, this guy is a Brahma bull. Big guy. John is a big guy. And I watch as John leaps over a pile of bodies and stiff arms this dad right in the face into some display for girls' toys. So he stiffs arms this dad, feet and boxes go flying everywhere, and from out from underneath the pile of bodies, my youth group kid John holds up an Xbox 360. (laughs) And he comes back and he says, I got one. He said, what about that conversation we just had 10 minutes ago? Love God and love others. Not we'll talk about God later and trample others. (laughs) You know, I tell you that story because... It's a perspective issue, isn't it? When we think about our finances and our stuff, as much as we say it's love God, love others, in the darkest parts of our heart, it really becomes me first, trample others, doesn't it? Let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, I just have to say thank you for our veterans as we celebrate Veterans Day this week. Thank you for how much they gave and how much their families gave and how much they continue to give. And we pray that you would bless them and keep them. But Lord, you have a specific message to speak to us this morning. And we pray that we would not hear the words of me, but we would hear the words of you. That you would help us to have a correct perspective on our possessions, on our stuff, and on our giving. So we love you, God. Speak to us now in exactly the way you need to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been learning in uh, the Motivated Givers, or the, excuse me, the uh, Better Way Giving series about why we give. Two weeks ago, we talked about being motivated. Well, why do we give? Well, we give because God loves us and God gave. We give not because we have to give. We give because we get to give. If you remember, by us giving, we get to participate in what God is doing. That's cool, right? It's good. God doesn't need your money, but he lets you be involved through your money. We talked last week about the importance of being a joyful giver. And we're going to talk about that a little bit again today. Why do you give? Do you give because Pastor Jamie's guilt-tripping you and telling you funny stories about people getting stiff-armed? Or do you give because the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and says, I'm going to bless you and I want you to go bless others? We give joyfully, motivated by Christ. But you see, as Pastor John always tells us, Ministry happens with three things. Can you tell me what they are? People, prayer, and resources. 
And it's a, it's a very true statement. This church is fantastically moving forward the cause of Christ. And that happens because of the people that God provides, the prayer that we as a church offer, and the resources that belong to God. But the problem is, is a lot of times we as people see our resources as ours and not God's. And we're being called to be more reliable with our giving. You know, we recently just had a sermon series called Acts, the Church in Action, and it was a great series where we talked about the young church. We talked about how the church went from being in in Jerusalem and really being at the center of Judaism and and really expanding and moving out to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, and it really began to grow. And with all the technologies that were taking place in Rome, like mailboxes and roads, I mean, the gospel was spreading so fast. Churches were springing up all over the region. And God was doing something amazing. The church didn't have to slow down because resources were needed. The resources were there because the church was providing. But you see, a terrible famine was taking place back in Jerusalem. Persecution was breaking out, and the Jewish church, the mother church, so to speak, was facing hardship. Paul, reminding these churches, sent out letters saying, listen, we need to supply for the needs of one another, and we need to really lift up the home church back in Jerusalem. And so I'm calling upon you to to tithe, to bring gifts, so that we can support them. And so in our passage today, we see Paul reminding, yet again, the importance of being reliable in our giving. It's awesome because in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives this supercharged speech about the awesomeness and the grandeur of God. In fact, I would really encourage each and every one of you with your families today, sit down tonight and read 1 Corinthians 15. It's incredible. It's about the beauty and awesomeness of God. And he summarizes the end by saying this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you and always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Do you know that your labor is not in vain? If you know the Lord is your Lord and Savior, you labor not in vain. You may work for so-and-so company, but your boss is the king. You don't labor in vain. And the resources that you are blessed with, they're not yours. They're God's. He's just blessed you to be the steward of those things. And so as we're talking about this, Paul reminds these believers that, hey, it is important that you're a joyful giver. It's important that you understand your motive for giving, but it's also important that you are reliable with your giving. Because if the church isn't reliable, people are going to die. Do we see it that way, church? Do we see it that serious? That if we don't answer the conviction that God puts on our heart to take care of one another and to bless others, that people may die? So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians 16 with me right now. And the collection he's talking about is that provision that we just discussed for the Jerusalem church. 1 Corinthians 16.1 says this, Now about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian church to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, So that when I come, no collection will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters and introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. 
and if it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. He's making the statement that you need to be reliable with your gift. In fact, he breaks it down really into three things that we're going to discuss today. He says in order to be a reliable giver in this verse, a reliable giver needs to be committed to giving. A reliable giver needs to be consistent in his giving. And a reliable giver needs to be progressive in his giving. And I'll explain that one in a little bit. So let's take a look at the first one. The reliable giver is a committed giver. An incredible fact that is often missed in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus speaks about giving in Matthew 6 is this. Do we have that one to bring up? Let's read this together. He says this in Matthew 6 too. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Now there are so many lessons that we can learn there, but we oftentimes miss the very first lesson that Jesus points out in the Sermon on the Mount. He never says the word, if you give. He says, so when you give. Do you see that? Jesus isn't suggesting that we care about one another. He's telling us when we care about one another. When we call ourselves the name Christian and we confess him as our Lord and Savior, we're agreeing to that. We're agreeing to the fact that we will help provide for the needs of others. Jesus doesn't say if. He says when. I think a lot of times we look at our resources as our money. And a lot of times we say, well, we will give to God, but we're going to take what we need out of there, which is oftentimes confused with wants, not needs. And whatever we have left over, we'll go ahead and give that to God. But but what would happen if we started thinking this way? Everything that I receive from God, I'm going to give from. And whatever I have left over from that, I'm going to live on. Isn't that a different way of thinking? God has made you a steward of your resources, not to simply be indulgent. You know, when I travel the world, I go to these different places where the biggest need in these countries is water, it's food, it's medical, it's, it's sewage. And, and I think here in America, the biggest need we have is to be redeemed and released from our excess and luxury. We don't know what it means to be hungry. We don't know what it means to be thirsty. But we have so much that it cripples us spiritually. Because we don't know how to let go of it. And I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm part of this this morning. And I think as Americans, we need to be repentant of our definition of need versus want. Does that make sense? Anybody agreeing with me out there this morning? It's God's money, not yours. And whatever's left after you give it back to Him, that's what you will live on because God tells us He will provide for us. Doesn't He? Do you believe what the Word of God says? Then He will provide for you. God says, I want you to care for the needs that you have. The disciples say, when the disciples decide to give, it says in the Word of God that the disciples gave according to their need or according to what they had, their means. And each one of them, it was different. Now, we see this spirit demonstrated in Luke 21 by the widow who who gave the, the two coins. She gave everything. 
The word is very clear with us that she didn't give compulsively. It wasn't reaction out of something fancy a preacher said. But the Holy Spirit spoke to her, and she gave exactly what God commanded her to give. And it was everything. And there's a lot of us out there right now that God is convicting our hearts to give, and we don't because we're afraid. And I'm here to tell you, God does not care about the amount. He cares about the heart with which you give it. Because as we saw in those scriptures, Jesus said, that little bit of money is going to go so much further than any other amount that people sing and say, look how good of a giver I am. Now listen to me. What you give is between you and God. But each one of you is called to give. And you need to be prayerful and committed to what you are going to give. And then you need to be the next one if you're taking notes. You need to be consistent in what you give. I love the passage for today because Paul says, Now about the collection for God's people. Do what I told you, told, told the Galatian church to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his uh, income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will on behalf to me. Let's break that down a little bit. So when we look at that, we see a couple of things. You know, first we see that God is first and we're second, just like we saw in the widow. She put God first and she put herself second and God will provide. But with a consistent giver, we're being called to be consistent. And in the first section of that, it says that on the first day of every week, Paul says. And so are you consistent with your giving? Do you set a sum aside so that you can consistently give? Because that's important. The second thing we see in this passage of Scripture is that each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. We are to be sacrificial givers. And for each and every one of us, that is going to look very different. Now, I want you to listen very closely to me because I'm going to say something, and you could take this out of context very easily. So pay attention. The number 10% has crippled the church's giving. I remember Franklin Graham during the crusade this past summer made a statement that he said the 10% giving concept is destructive to the church. And I watched as a lot of you went, he can't say that. But it's true. Because we think about this 10% giving and we put it on our refrigerator as if it's some kind of thing we're just supposed to meet and we blindly will chuck pennies at it. And that is the equivalent of our giving. Sacrificial giving does not look like something we don't think about. Is the only time you think about what you're going to give right before Brad sings the doxal or the offering? The offertory? Because if it is, you're missing out on an incredible blessing of what God wants to do through your tithes and your offering. We are to be sacrificial givers. Here at Christ Church, we do teach a 10% tithe. We teach that and say that that should be the starting place where you give. Did you know that the national average of what people give in churches is around 3.3%? We're not doing it. We're not even meeting that goal. Because we're afraid. See, God has called us to be sacrificial givers. And I'll be honest with you, some of you in here, 10% is a lot harder to do than for some of you in here. To some of us, 10% is a, is a big number. And for some of us, 10% isn't even noticeable. And so what does that look like? We'll come back to that. We're called to be consistent we're called to be sacrificial in our giving, and we're also called to be prepared to give. 
A moment ago I said is the only time that you think about giving when Brad's getting ready to do the offertory. And if it is, you're really missing out on what God wants to do with you. I I love when I run into these business guys who have what they call their giving fund. And these people actually will set large chunks of money aside and they don't know when they're going to get to bless somebody. They just know that if they set it aside, it's going to be there for when they can bless somebody. And so the question I have for us church is, are we prepared in our giving? Do we set money aside not knowing what we're going to give it to and then God convicts our hearts and in that moment we can say, I'm going to give to that. I hear the story all the time of students who grow up without parents and they don't know how they're going to get to college and one of these people comes alongside of them and says, you know what, God told me to set this money aside and I believe he's telling me to bless you. I'm going to pay for your college. What a blessing. Are you prepared in your giving? Are you thinking ahead in your giving in such a way that you're available to what the Holy Spirit is going to say to you? Because we are called to not just have to drag our feet in giving. We're called to be prepared in our giving. He says, save it up. So when I come, no collection will have to be made. Listen, the church should never have to come to the congregation and ask for money. And I know that sounds self-serving coming from the pastor. But it's a biblical fact. As the people of God, we're commanded to give. We shouldn't have to ask. God should be compelling your heart and you should be obedient. The question is, the question I ask myself, is am I being obedient as a prepared giver? The third thing a reliable giver is, is a reliable giver is a progressive giver. So what does that mean? Well, here at Christ Church, like I said, we teach 10%. It comes from Leviticus 27.30. talks about it in Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. And again, in Deuteronomy 14.23. And if you'd love to have a conversation about that sometime, I'm more than willing to get together with you. But I want us to focus on this. As our faith increases, and as our resource increases, why does our gift not increase? Let's say you make a bajillion dollars a year. Okay? That's my favorite number, bajillion. And you get a bajillion dollar raise. And you're giving 10% of that. And you get a bajillion dollar raise, but you're still just giving 10%. Let me ask you a question. Why can't you live on a bajillion dollars? Do you see my point? Some of us are very comfortable in our lives and God has blessed us in such a way that we receive excess money, we receive gifts, we receive bonuses, we receive this... And what we do with it is we hide it away. Now listen, I'm not telling you not to plan for the future and to set up for time. I'm not telling you that. But what I'm saying is, do you see it as God's money or do you see it as your money? Are you living in the excess? Are you living in what's left over after giving? Because God is calling you to give. As your resources grow, as your faith grows, 10% should be back here. If you can give more, you should be giving more. Do you hear me, church? As your resource and your faith grow, your giving should grow. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. And in the book of Acts, it states this, that the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for brothers and sisters living in Judea, and they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And then we're reminded by Jesus in Acts 20, 35, when he says these words, it is more blessed to give than receive. 
There's got to be a better way with our giving. We've got to look at it as a blessing and an opportunity because it is, church. Is your finances, is it all about you first, others second? Or is it about God first and what He wants to do and you second? That's between you and God. I'm throwing out the challenge. I've had to live in it all week too. (laughs) But how is God speaking to your heart? Is God telling you to give and you're fearful? Listen to me. God provides. God will meet your need. Listen, God doesn't need your money. But it's your opportunity to be engaged in what He's doing in that way. Because things move forward with what? Prayer, people, and resources. That's good news. So won't you join me as we, as we just pray for God to convict our hearts with what we're to give and how we're to give. So Lord, we thank you for this day. We praise you for the words that you've given to us here, God. And as we struggle with how we're to give and what we're to give and what that all looks like, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts because we're not talking about giving to the inside of this church to make this inside of this church look fluffy and fun, God, but We're thinking about the people who aren't here this morning. We're thinking about the people who have need. And we pray, God, that you would use each and every one of us as a conduit to do your work. That we would be your vessels. That as we receive resources and blessings, specifically, God, we pray that you would convict our hearts to live in a godly manner. To not live above our means but to give faithfully and to give generously for the furthering of your kingdom. God, we make the declaration that we trust you and we give you our lives. We can give you our money too. We pray that you would use it for the furthering of your kingdom. Receive it in your name.